morning. Am I on? Can you guys hear me? You guys are good? Awesome. Hey, I'm going to keep Angela up here just for one moment um, because I I want her to kind of share some things that have happened recently uh, in our healing room. So for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with that, uh, healing rooms, it's a time that we do uh, the second Saturday of every month here from 10 to about noon, and it's an open environment, meaning anyone who has need for physical healing, um, you can be as disconnected as you can possibly be from a church. It doesn't matter. You can just come in, and we have teams here um, that will kind of walk you through some things and then be able to lay hands and pray for you. And uh, we just had our healing rooms for February yesterday. And uh, if you've never been involved, I just encourage you. Can I just give a shout-out? Totally unexpected. I just saw her. Sarah Hout has been leading worship in healing rooms. And you know what? Like, there's a real gift of God on her life to soak you in the presence of the Lord. Um, Sarah, you remember I, we used to do that together a long time ago? I used to actually help leading worship. Praise the Lord that it got better. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> The environment is really built to encounter God. And so, uh, Angela, so share a couple of things that have happened just yesterday. Yeah, it was really exciting. So, um, and this was one of the first times we, like, has a, had a designated kids team with us, too. So it was myself and a couple elementary school kids and some other adults, too, praying. Um, but we had this beautiful mother and her 10-year-old son who came for prayer Um, She had had issues from plantar fasciitis to she had a knee replacement. Her back was hurting. Um, She had some other issues as well, just a lot going on in her body. Um, And then her son also had heel pain as well. And so our team just partnered with Jesus and released healing. Um, We actually prayed for her a couple times. And by the end, her entire body was better. So like her heel, all the pain had left. Um, she said she couldn't bend over without pain. She was bending over without pain. Um, her legs were, her, were, she needed an adjustment. Like we love, we love chiropractors. Mackenzie, where are you? We love chiropractors. Holy Spirit did an adjustment right in front of us. So her legs evened out and they were like a little bit uneven. So right in front of us, they evened out. Um, she was just completely touched. She felt like all the, like a lot of stress had lifted off of her as well. Some of our team had words of knowledge about um, jobs, and she was working three jobs and just an exhausted mama. So just everything, I felt like the Lord just touched her entire life. And then we were talking to her 10-year-old son, who was uh, honestly like a little little checked out on his phone most of the time. And we started talking to him about God and like um, just sharing some things with him. And before we prayed, we asked him, like, hey, bud, you go ahead and check your heel out before we even pray. We want to see what God's doing. Just talking about him invites, invites things to happen. And all his pain is le- had left before we even prayed for his heel, which is exciting. Like, Jesus is amazing. It's, he's so amazing. Um, And then he joined us in continuing to pray for his mom, too. So then he was, like, more engaged in with us, too. So it was just incredible, Sean, just to see, like, just an entire, like, a family unit get transformed. And they were here with us maybe, like, 20 minutes um, here with us and just get totally transformed. So it was very exciting. Hey, God. Thanks so much, Angela. Come on, Jesus. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this this week, particularly, Um, You know, the testimony of the Lord, you know, we have a testimony wall, right? Like churches, like we're called as the capital C church to steward the testimony of the Lord. And so when we, when, we, when we share testimonies and things like that, like this is actually supposed to be the floor for our faith. Does this make sense? Like the testimony released now is the floor for the, it's not the ceiling of what God did. Like that was the pinnacle of the Lord yesterday, healing, you know, it's actually the floor of what God's going to do. And, and, and you know, when we have testimony, a testimony wall. I, I can't encourage you guys enough to feed yourself on the testimonies. We actually do that in the healing rooms now, that we have folks that come in that need healing. We actually have them just begin to saturate in the reality of the ways of the Lord and read this, these breakthroughs. And, you know, there's financial, there's relational, there's healing, there's physical breakthroughs, there's emotional, there's spiritual, there, there's uh, breakthroughs over the mind. Um, all of these things, this is, the, this is the, 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 the foundation, the basement of what God wants to do. Does that make sense, guys? And, you know, it's really funny because all over Scripture we see this, especially in the Old Testament, is if you read through uh, Psalm 77, it's 72 verses, it's a longer psalm, and if you read through that, it can be like so frustrating because it's a story about how Israel uh, was following the Lord, and it's a story of uh, Moses wrote it, so um, 
Moses was a little frustrated at times with the nation of Israel. And it's a story about how God would do signs and wonders, miracles that the world had never known, had never seen from God. Parting the seas, plagues over their enemies, healing to their people, uh, manna, it, like bread supernaturally in the morning. Uh, it actually said that there are times that Israel would uh, complain that it wasn't the kind of food they wanted. Some of us are like, oh my gosh, Israel. Well, let's do a little heart check first before, you know, <laughs> maybe a little dust, you know, in the eye. Uh, so so what, what happened is this, is that over and over again, God would show up and provide and wow, and they would be on their faces before the Lord. I mean, there was, there was a cloud and fire that led them over and over. And it says this, that over and over, Israel would harden their hearts, even in the midst of what was going on around them. And it's so much so that it's like, well, we have, you know, some bread, but man, we'd really like some meat, you know? Like, God doesn't, eat, God doesn't even give us meat. They were taking what he was doing and making it the ceiling, not the floor. Does this make sense? They were making it the ceiling, like, oh, well, God's not giving us, he's giving us manna in the morning, but he's not giving us meat. We really want some meat. Like, psh. they didn't take what he was doing as an invitation to what he wants to do more of. They, does this make sense? I know I'm giving a drive-by. It has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. But what he's doing is an invitation to what he wants to do more of. And, and, and here's the amazing part. Even though Israel at the time, just go read Psalm 77, but even though Israel at the time would turn their hearts, would gripe towards the Lord about everything he was doing, even though he was doing amazing things, it says that, that, that he would be frustrated and he would do stuff like, he would talk to Moses like, Moses, I want to keep you, but I want to kill all of them, you know? And, and Moses is like, no, God, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Because then the world would think that you're the God who brought us out of Egypt just to kill us. Just go, you can read Exodus 32 through 33 for that story. But here's the story of Moses, and he's getting frustrated. God's getting frustrated. And then here's the amazing part, okay, guys, is this. The people of Israel are complaining about things like not, not having the food that they want. God's kind of frustrated, but he can't help but bless them. Like, he's frustrated, and it says that like he's like kind of hot for like a day. And then he comes back to Israel and says, okay, listen, even though you don't even really want me and you're not recognizing anything I'm doing, I'm actually going to give you now quail in the morning. Like, I'm actually going to give you, it says that they would have all the meat they could desire. This was from a heart that wasn't even receiving what he was doing. How much more those who are receiving what he's doing does he want to build upon what he's done? Does this make sense? So when we, when we share testimonies, you hear testimonies, it's like, Oh, come on, Jesus. Like, he's given me permission to trust him for something new. He's given me permission for something more. So this morning, um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sean O'Rourke. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I'm our senior associate pastor, which is a fancy title for you just do lots of stuff. It's all good. Um, but I'm our traditional, like, executive business pastor, as well as I oversee our Columbus School of Supernatural Ministry. And CSSM meets here, yeah. Meets here on Sunday nights at 5 o'clock. Uh, this is the last week technically to join, so if you wanted to, you totally can. Uh, we have about 70 students here at Powell. Uh, we had an amazing time to start this quarter so far. Um, this is our training and equipping environment, and so if you want to know more about that, there's information in the lobby. You can talk to me. Just come. Just, just you know, I joke, like, stop you know, resisting the Lord. Just come. But it's, that's, that's actually not that fair. This is going to drive me crazy. I'm sorry. I'm like a house cleaner person, so. Um, but I wanted, to, I wanted to kind of talk with you guys this morning uh, about a few things. So I, I spoke on, uh, I think it was December 30th, and then two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and uh, I'm going to kind of wrap up some of the things that I've been sharing uh, with today's message. So if you weren't here, um, I'm going to give you a brief recap of uh, what we've been going over, what we've been kind of uh, going after over the last probably like six weeks as a church, and, and then see Backlund comes right in the middle of it, and we got Bobby Connor coming next week, and um, it's just really cool to see what God is doing. But how many of you would recognize this? How many of you would recognize that, uh, that a season has changed in your life? Not like, not like the season is changing, like the season has changed. And if you're like me, I can be a slow learner. Like, I can be sometimes the last one to recognize that the season shifted. But I feel like I'm not this time, so I'm pretty pumped. 
But, but how many of you, sometimes someone has to, like, you're the last to know of the season shift around you? A couple people were like. <laughs> you know, God wants us to be engaged with him. But God also wants us to be aware of the times and the seasons. That's why we have prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists, pastors. Like God actually desires for us to be empowered with the things he's doing and not just like have a small group of people know about it. That, that we all get to play, right? We all get to hear from God. We all get to step into that season. We all get to step into his voice. And there's something really important about you, yourself, me personally taking ownership of that. There's something really important about being able to recognize what God is doing in my life. You know, we often are looking at like the nation and, and this or that or like our, our situations and friends, but often, how often are we sitting down and just connecting with Jesus? Jesus, what are you doing in my life right now? It's not to be introspective. It's not to start trying to figure your stuff out. It's just simply, you know, the, the demands of life can get us away from that one point so easily. Am I the only one? That can get us away from that point. There's a lot going on. You're like running like in your season. You're like in your assignment. But you know what? How many of you found that sometimes God can pivot and we're the last to know? We keep running. I don't know about you. Like I'm someone, I can power through a lot of things. So, so my, you know, my team and, and um, I, when I used to work in, um, in the professional uh, world, not that we're not professional now, but... <laughs> I just realized when I was saying that, I didn't paint a super awesome picture. But when I used to work, uh, I, used to, I used to run and, and manage some different teams and, and finances. And, um, and, and, you know, we would uh, kind of joke because we would work. Um, we had a really intense amount of work that we had to do. And there were, there were uh, important deadlines or deliverables. Um, and we had to make sure we got it done by that time of the day, literally by like three o'clock, this had to be done, like all this stuff. And so we like developed this skill set to be able to power through like a hurricane, like, like not even know if the building's on fire because you're just like locked in, you know, like there's something really important about sometimes being able to set your sights on a goal and powering through, but it's a problem if the building's on fire and you're still powering through. It's a problem if your season has shifted and you're still operating under yesterday's season. Does this make sense, guys? So I feel like this morning the Lord just wants to get all of our attention on what he's doing in our lives, both personally but also corporately, to see some of the picture of what he's, what he's painting. So um, I want to take just, just about two minutes right now, and you're just going to ask the Lord just what he's doing in your life. We're going to go... Short, brief, and powerful. But God, what is one thing that you're doing new in my life? So Holy Spirit, I just thank you for speaking. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are doing something new. Sometimes it's as small as a, as a little door hinge that opens a big door, God. And sometimes it's a highway that you've put in front of us. But Holy Spirit, what are you doing new? What have you shifted into my life, Lord? And God, where are you just calling my attention to? As you feel the Lord just highlighting something, just raise your hand. Just pop it up real quick. You can put it right back down. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. So what I want to do is this, is you're going to share it with one person around you. And so if you have to get up and introduce yourself, that's fine. But just go ahead, connect with one person around you, and both of you are just going to have an opportunity to just share what that thing is that God was just highlighting to you. And don't be surprised if you're like, I don't know what it was. Then let the other person go first, and God will probably show you what he's saying to you. So just go ahead. Just take, we're going to take just about another 90 seconds. And uh, go ahead and just find someone around you. If you want to stretch your legs and meet someone new, that's fine. But connect with one person around you, and each of you take turns just sharing what you felt to the best of your ability that God was saying to you about this new season.
All right, make sure the other person gets a chance to share if you haven't switched yet. Give it another minute here. All right, I think most of you guys are wrapping up. It's another 10 seconds or so. All right, now let me ask you this. Just a, we're just going to do a quick question here. So when you shared that, I'm just, I kind of want to just get a sense. When you shared it to, with somebody else, how many of you felt like, it became a little bit more real to you. It became a little more alive to you. How many of you felt like it was actually vulnerable sharing it? You felt a little exposed, right? You felt a little bit like, ah, you know, I think this is what God's doing. And how many of you, I'm just like, this is, not everyone has to say yes to this. This isn't one of those trick things. I'm actually looking for authentic feedback. Is who felt like when they shared, you began to have faith for it? Raise your hand, you're real high if you felt like, when I was, I was sharing, like, I began to feel, like, sense just like a, a growing faith for that thing. Yeah. You know, I love how God works where sometimes the things that are inside of us um, are already deposited by the Lord, and we need to just come into agreement and partnership with it. Does this make sense? For us to begin, like, like he didn't do a new work in you in the last 90 seconds. Does this make sense? He's just showing you some things he probably has already said. He's showing you some things that might have been inside of you. But that little act of, you know, sometimes we, we, we tend to, to, to assume that if we heard it, it's happening. And I think that that removes a partnership with the Lord. That sometimes that, that little pivot of partnering with the Lord begins actually what the Bible will call a co-laboring with heaven for the things of God in your life. So uh, if you... Just come to CSSM. This is pretty much a lot of what we do, <laughs> is activations and partnering with God to see what he's doing. Now, I talked to, uh, about a couple of things last, last couple of weeks. Are you guys good? Yeah. Okay. So I talked about a couple of things. One, we talked about how, uh, on, about six weeks ago, I talked about how um, we tend to surround ourselves and gather many saviors in our lives because we don't look to Jesus for solutions. You guys remember that? Some of, some of us remember that wound, right? <laughs> I get it. But we, we actually found that there are times in our life that we're in a situation, and it's really easy to pull out a credit card or to find a little savior to save the moment. And it's not saying that God doesn't provide, but often what happens is we begin to build a trophy room full of those, and Jesus is nowhere to be found as our savior for, for situations. He's savior of our soul and our hearts and our lives, but where is he savior in our circumstances? We, we, we talked through that piece, and we talked through about, you know, finding those little foxes in the garden uh, of our prayer life, about re-entering into that prayer closet with the Lord. Do you guys remember some of this? We talked about the next time, about two, three weeks later, we talked about the mountaintop encounters. You remember? We talked about how Jesus has redeemed the valley. They, they, when, when we have the mountaintop encounters, that's when we're just supposed to be present. We don't have to do planning. I'm going to say that one again. Your mountaintop encounters require you to be present with the Lord don't start planning. It's a story of when, when Peter was on the mountaintop and Jesus got transfigured before him and Peter starts planning. Peter's like, this is good, Jesus. Like, you should do this all the time. This is good. You know, Moses and Elijah are here. This is awesome. 
I'm just going to build you guys some churches. I'm going to build each of you a church. I'm just going to build a house. I'm going to build a shelter for each of you guys. We're just going to live here forever now. This is, what, this is what is going through Peter's mind. And the Lord interrupts him and says what? He says, this is my son. Listen to him. That when we're on that mountaintop encounters with the Lord, it's so important that we're just present with the Lord. That we're not planning. Don't take it and just start doing stuff. Take that moment, take those times, take those mountaintops, and actually learn to be present with the Lord as Moses was. So he was able to give Israel the law. He was able to speak because Moses was present. We talked about in that same talk um, about how uh, Jesus redeemed the valley by coming into it. He was born in the lowest of lows. He actually is Lord of the valley, just like he is transfigured on the mountaintop. And we talked about how Jesus would find mountainsides to pray. Do you guys remember some of this? And Jesus actually built a lifestyle in the hills. That he would go off while the disciples were going across the lake. Jesus would go off and pray. He would spend the night in prayer. He, would spend, he, he, he carved out time. For, he found hills to go to. And the hills represent that meeting place of heaven and earth. That, 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 that meeting place is just waiting. And the hills is where God is waiting for us. That mountainside is where the Lord is waiting for us. To, to be with him. And then out of that place, Jesus, we, we find that he multiplies the food. He feeds, he, he, he feeds five to 20,000 people. He walks on water. And, and, and we, we just talked about developing what does that look like to, to be able to have the encounters with the Lord in the valley, but be able to know how to retreat to the mountainside in our lives. You guys good? I promise today is going to be a short, brief, and powerful message. That's why I want to recap a little bit. And finally, one of the things we talked about was the primary activity of the believer is to steward our relationship with Jesus. The number one priority that we have is to steward our relationship with Jesus. And biblical stewardship doesn't mean just keep on the same level. Biblical stewardship means to bring to increase. That is the primary responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus. We have all sorts of commissioning and anointing and assignments, and those are real we talk a lot about that stuff, especially in ministry school. Like this, that is real. However, our primary responsibility is to increase this relationship that we have with Jesus. Why? So that we can move into all those areas of assignment, of fulfillment, of commissioning. Apart from this stewarding and growing our relationship with Jesus, it's really easy for some of those things to be, start to become works, to start to become things we're just doing, not even knowing what... We just started doing something. We're, we can be years later, and we're just doing stuff. But it's got a lot of church stuff all around it. But in a vacuum, have we stewarded our relationship with Jesus? That Jesus is the desire of the nations. He's altogether lovely. Are we discovering who God is? So the, the, the third thing I want to talk about today is, uh, you know, is this, is this balance between what does it look like to be continually in this place of intimacy with God and to be walking in our anointing and our calling? How do you, what, what does that look like? And I want to talk about faith and trust today. You guys good? So here's, here's the deal. God gives us faith. It says that faith is a gift. It says even to each one, God has, been, has given faith. That means if you're in the room right now and you haven't pointed your faith towards Jesus, you actually still have faith. It might be misdirected, it might be pointed wrong, but we actually says the Bible says each one of us has been given a measure of faith. Like, so faith is a gift. Faith is something that we're able to, 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 to recognize comes from God, and it's something that draws on the atmosphere of heaven. It draws on the atmosphere of God. Faith, according to Hebrews, is, is believing things that we don't see, being convinced that they're real and that they're, they're coming. This makes sense? Now, what I want to talk about today is what do we give God? So God has given us faith. What we give God is trust. That we partner with faith, but our gift to God is actually trusting him. Does this make sense? So, so the faith and trust are, you know, they're, they're really, really similar. One comes from God and one we offer to him. And when they're combined, that's when we see heaven invade earth. That, that, that's when we see the promises of God erupt in our lives. So I want to talk about this. Proverbs 3, 5. If you guys want to open your Bibles, go ahead. We're going we're gonna, to uh, jump around about three or four scriptures today. But Proverbs 3, 5 says this. 
Now, this is one we're probably kind of familiar with. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Now, trust, if you were to look up what that means, trust is defined as a firm belief, the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of another. Trust is something we're putting outwards. We're not trusting this way. How many of you found trusting in yourself is not going to lead you to where you want to go? That your plans are terrible, according to the Bible. Some of you are like, oh, that hurts. No, no, no. It's actually, it's, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. That your plans require God to proofread a good bit, to amend. And he wants to co-labor with you in it. But our plans in ourselves will never lead us to the destiny that God actually designed us for. But he, there's a co-laboring that's involved. So trusting is, the, the definition is believing in the strength of another. That we're putting our strength, we're believing in the strength of another as we move forward with the Lord. Are you guys okay? So trust is not exactly the same as faith. But it's more of a bold confidence or an action out of that security. Trusting is what we do because of faith. Trusting is believing in God in all circumstances, even those uh, that evidence seems contrary to what we're believing for. How many of you found, how many of you have circumstances that aren't perfectly lined up in your life just yet? You know, I want to read a testimony of, uh, of Carrie. Carrie Kuhlman, great last name, says this. Uh, this is an amazing story of her and her husband learning what does it look like for us in our season to trust God. When we just did that kind of 90-second activation there, this is something that they came up with. They said, when we first became Christians, my husband and I uh, kept hearing about tithing. At the time, we were living paycheck to paycheck, just barely getting by. We were donating about $20 a week, which felt like a huge sacrifice at the time. But we kept reading in the Bible, in Malachi 3.10, about tithing, and decided just to trust God, and that if we were obedient, he would take care of us. It was a huge leap of faith for us, but we started giving at least 10% of our income in tithes. Sure enough, not only could we get, uh, could we get by, but our financial circumstances kept getting better and better. We've been tithing ever since and have never looked back, and our finances have never been better. Wow. You know, I have a friend that uh, was in a really bad situation physically, and they needed healing in their body, and they had some options. How many of you know when your circumstances press around you, you have choices to make? When your circumstances are pressing around you, we have choices to make. And that's where we either see trust is enlarging or we shrink back our trust and try to, try to figure it out ourselves. Well, my friend, you know, she was in a really bad position and was really sick and the doctors were continuing to tell her, you need to have, it would have been a fourth surgery on her nerves. Pretty invasive surgery. The first three worked for about 10 years each. And now this one, she, she was in just agonizing night and day pain and had a choice to make. Do I do that? And the surgeon basically said, there's no guarantee that this is going to work in any way. Um, this is just the best that we have to offer. And um, if it does work, you most likely won't have any of your sweat glands. And you're also, uh, this could come back. And at that point, uh, when, it, when it does come back, there's officially nothing that we can do for you. But we can try this. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to put you out of work for a while. She had a choice to make. And what she did was she just chose, okay, I realize that is an option, but what I'm going to do, what she chose to do, she went to a church. One of her friends invited her to a, to a, a church meeting, and she shows up to this church, and she's, she's like not a believer, and everyone, it's like, it's like us, you know? It's like, it's like everyone's like raising their hands and praising the Lord, and she's like, what is happening here? I just... What, what did I get into? Like, where's the doctor? You know what I mean? And, and, and she walks into this church that was really foreign to her. She wasn't a believer, like I said. And she walks in, and she decided, you know, I'm going to trust that God is real, even if I don't know what he's like yet. I don't know. She didn't have a relationship with him, but she's just going to trust that God kind of brought her there for a reason. 
She had enough faith to get her into the room, and then she trusted that the Lord would help. She gets into the room, and uh, at the time, they had a guest speaker there. This was in Philadelphia. And uh, the guest speaker was uh, uh, a really a Pastor Cheon. He's amazing. Um, and he gives words of knowledge for physical healing, healing during, during the message. And her condition is exactly called out. Her exact condition. And so she's in the room, and she's like, I don't know, like, what do I do now? And he's like, okay, after church, we're going to pray for those that, that, um, that the word of knowledge was for. If that's you, come on up afterwards. So, so she goes up, and uh, the, the pastors come alongside her and pray for her. And uh, long story short is really just in about 10 minutes, they just pray for her and just minister to her heart. And then they just went after the physical healing part. And she went down like a sack of potatoes when they laid hands on her and said, be healed in Jesus' name. She gets up, and she had a walker at the time. She gets up and could walk now. Total mobility restored to her legs. She gets up and she goes to the doctors that week for a follow-up appointment that she already had scheduled because it was really decision-making time. Goes back to the doctors and, and she is like, I'm well. I, I don't know. She's, she's literally like, like, I don't know how to explain this to you, but Jesus healed me. And the doctors, now I love doctors, don't hear me knock doctors, okay? But Luke was a doctor, we can go into all of it. I love doctors. But, but the doctor said, how, like, how did this occur? So she kept on saying, Jesus healed me. And she's in this doctor's office, and, and finally the doctor's like, well, we believe in the power of the mind, and there's a correlation between, which is true, which is good, but it was Jesus who actually healed her. And, and so, uh, so she has been healed of that for uh, 22 years. Total medical healing. So it's, this is, it's documented. You can find it. It's, like, it's out there. Why am I saying this? Because she had a choice at the time. Where, If faith is calling you over here, if God is calling you over here, then I need to meet that faith with my trust. How many of you found that trust feels vulnerable? Trust relinquishes control. Trust says, I don't understand, but I'm going to walk anyway. You know, there are so many pivots in our life that God asks us to trust him. Proverbs 16.33 says, we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. You know, let me read that to you a different way. We can make our own way, but the Lord is Lord of the outcome. That he is Lord of the outcome. Why am I saying this? Faith is a gift from God. Trust is an issue of the heart. Trust is a working of our heart. See, see, we can have gifts of faith. We can have even gifts of faith for the moment. I mean, I've seen a gift of faith on someone where they're, they're like getting people out of wheelchairs. A gift of faith of God, the spiritual gift of faith comes upon them on their gift that they already have, and they're just healing the sick left and right. But when it comes to like their, their, their own life, that trust isn't to the same level yet. Does this make sense? And we want, we're designed that our faith and our trust would be cohabitating. That, that, that it wouldn't be like, I just walk by faith and, and you, know, um, you know, everything I do is just like what I feel like God put on my heart. It's actually, no, I'm engaging intimately with Jesus to help me along this journey. That we're not called to go blindly. We're called to actually go with all of our hearts. Does this make sense? Am I wearing you guys out a little bit? Trust triggers Intimacy. When we choose to trust, we just stepped into a place of intimacy with Jesus. Now that means this. How many of you found that sometimes God wants to bring a little course correction to our lives? It's a nice way of saying he wants to correct you. It's one of, the, it's one of two, two evidences in the New Testament of sonship. Is one is, is there's a spirit inside of us that's crying out, Abba, Father. It's testifying that we are children of God. There's something inside of us, come on, there's something inside of us that, 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 that has a, a Father God call, a, a, an intimate Abba call within us. And then the second one is in Hebrews, it actually says that if you're not able to be disciplined, you're actually illegitimate children. Now that's one that's usually not circled or highlighted in our Bibles, like... That's not one you get tattooed on your arm, you know. 
But it is something really important because of this, is that, is that trust attracts intimacy. Trust triggers intimacy, meaning that when we trust the Lord, if he's calling some revision of our hearts, we can trust that in that moment, one, he's going to open up intimacy with him and help us to see it through. That might be going up to someone and apologizing. That might be, that might be you yourself recognizing a bent in your heart allowing the Lord to put his finger there and course correcting. Some of us are like, wait, I thought we were the signs and wonders church. You're called to be a sign and wonder first, by the way. You're, listen, like your faith, God is really, really interested in the heart. It says that he doesn't see the way man sees. God sees the heart. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he addressed the heart. He goes after, hey, you know, when you're, when you're, uh, you know, even when you're, when you're praying, when you're fasting, when you're giving, do it in private because I want to be the one who rewards you. Jesus goes after the heart when he says things like, you know, um, I'm looking at the heart when it comes to how we, the, the, the thoughts that we have, what are we thinking inside of us? He, he, he moves from the law, which is the outward behavior, into the heart. See, trust triggers intimacy and invites Jesus to come and be Lord over our hearts. Are you guys Okay. You know, often when it comes to, to trusting the Lord, intimacy is going to look like humbling yourself. It's just going to look like humbling yourself before the Lord and before other people. You'll get promoted so fast in the Spirit if you're simply humble. You'll get, you'll get promoted into influence, into your destiny, if there's a humility on your life. That requires trust. Because you might look like you're disqualified because you're humbling yourself. And God actually says, I'm going to exalt you because you're humbling yourself. Does this make sense? That, tr- that, that trust will trigger that intimate place with Jesus. There's just two more things and we're going to wrap up. Is that trust attracts peace. Trust attracts peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26.3, if we could put that overhead. It says, you will keep, you will keep in peace him who, whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. That trust actually creates this area of peace on our life, over our minds. That when we trust in the Lord, we don't have to worry about everything going wrong. Psalm 112, verse 7 says, He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. That he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Now, one thing in the kingdom is this, is that trust begets trust. That your calling, your season that you're in right now, this new season, actually requires more trust than the last. God will never position you to trust him less. He will always position you to trust him more. You know, there's such a temptation and such a a scheme of the enemy to get us to take that lordship seat over our circumstances in our lives. How many of you found trusting the Lord makes you nervous? Sometimes his timing is not my timing. How many of you found that he loves the like 11.59 out of a 12-hour window? When it comes to your finances and your job. You know, I remember when years and years ago, uh, I was in between. I was graduating from college, and I've shared this story before. And, and I was at the point where I was going to move back to Philadelphia where I grew up because I just couldn't find a job out here. And I, this, was, this was, you know, 16 years ago, and I'm in Columbus, and I'm like, I just graduated, and, and uh, it was a real, how many of you know, like, your work is a really big part of your calling? Like, it's a big deal. It's usually preparation for another season, and it's, and it's a time where God's refining and working inside of you. It's a really big deal. Like, we want to be in the position, like, the job that God has for us. Can I get an amen? Like, we want to, like, it's important. It's not something God's, like, not worried about. He's not, listen, God God is not more concerned about your church attendance than he is your job. Mm. I don't know if you believe that, 
But God's actually just as concerned about your work as he is about the other callings on your life. And so I was in a position where I just didn't know which way to go. Doors weren't opening up, and like my lease was ending. Like It was decision time. Circumstances were coming around me. I was in a corner. I you know, didn't know what to do. And I remember at that time, I was just really seeking the Lord and fasting, and just like nothing was working. You know, It's like, God, you know, do you want my stomach to groan louder? Because like, I don't know what else to do. And it was in this time where I was learning what it looks like to trust in the Lord. Trusting the Lord can really feel uncomfortable. I'm applying to jobs. Things aren't, just aren't working out. And I have like, I'm like, I'm in a good place. Like, but for whatever reason, the doors aren't opening. How many of you have been there before? Everything is good, but the doors aren't opening. And it is literally down to like, I got two weeks and I got to get out of here to Columbus. And, and I had some opportunities in Philadelphia that I was willing to take. I just didn't feel the Lord on any of them. And they were all kind of sketchy. <laughs> I mean, like, it's the best way to describe it. Like, I don't know that I, it was a real, anyway. And so, so, uh, so what happened is this, is that I'm, I'm, I'm like, I got nothing. Like, I got nothing. I got nothing to pray. I felt like I have laid it all out before the Lord. And I'm like, you know, Jesus, I know you're real. And I really need you to help. I don't know what else to do. My prayer, like, that was my prayers. Listen, if your prayer life gets reduced to that, you're probably in a good place. If your prayer life gets reduced to, to dependent prayers on Jesus, he is erasing a lot of other prayers you don't need. He's putting himself in that place of showing up in your life. But it's going to feel uncomfortable. Anyone who sells you this thing that, every, that like, if you just pray, like, you're going to get the winning lottery ticket that day, and like the first in line, and like all this stuff. Listen, Jesus, like, in this world you'll have trouble, but trust me, I've overcome the world. So I'm in, I'm in this place of waiting. I'm in this place of waiting, and it is stressful, and I have no answers for people. People are asking around me, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Did, did Jesus tell you? Because I, I don't know. And, 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 and what happened is uh, my, my friend, who also graduated with the same degree as me at the same exact time, we were, we were good buds, he comes up to me one day, and this is literally like all this is happening around me, and he goes, the weirdest thing happened today. I said, what happened, man? He goes, my dad came back on a business trip. Uh, on, on, he was flying in. He was sitting next to this guy on the plane. And, uh, and he goes, you know, they started chit-chatting and talking, and, and he got to telling him about me and you. He said, my dad was just sharing that, like, you know, right now the job market in Columbus is kind of tough, and my son and his friend are really at that crossroads of kind of what they're going to do. And, uh, and this guy is like, oh, well, what did they graduate with? And he, he came in to tell him, he's like, well, I'm actually senior vice president of, of this uh, accounting firm, and we're actually looking for, for those two positions. So, so, my friend, so my friend Chris, he go, he's, he's telling me this, and my jaw is on the ground. I'm already, I'm already crying. Like, it's, like, like, you have to understand, when you're desperate, who cares what you look like? Get over that. And... I'm in this place and listening and, and just leaning in, and I am like, I mean, I am getting drenched in the presence of the Lord as he's saying this to me. And so Chris gets done saying this. He goes, he goes yeah, he wants us to just send him our resumes. And then he said, well, he'll, he'll just get interviews for us like next week. And Chris is like, so what do you think, man? Are you going to do that? And I'm like, uh-huh, I'm going to do that, you know. And... And, uh, and, and, and I'll never forget, I went home, and everything feels like it became clear because Jesus showed up. Like, it all made sense when he showed up of why he kept me, of why, he, why I waited. And that turned into an amazing career for me personally that went on to, you know, doing some things in the investment world and everything like that. But I'm saying that because of this, is that, man, sometimes God will wait to the very last moment, and in that, that is the testing, is that, is that trust comes with testing. Why am I telling you this? Because you're probably in a time of testing and you don't know it. You can't pray yourself out of it. You have to trust yourself within it. Like you have to, you have to release trust in your life to the Lord in that place. That keep praying. Don't stop praying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But, but it requires trust. It requires trusting on the strength and the ability of another not on ourselves.
So maybe you're in a place that you need trust over your finances, over your physical body, over healing. Maybe you're in a place that you need breakthrough over relationships, over work. Maybe you need some breakthrough uh, with some family members. Maybe you want to see, you know what, I just want to see God do something new. There's just a hunger in you for something new to occur. I just want to to encourage you, if you partner the faith that God's given you with the trust that you can offer, you will see that circumstance change. What happens is people, we often get to that 11th hour and we get uncomfortable and then we bail. You know what I'm talking about? We tend to abort right before the birth was going to happen. We tend to allow the Lord to give us a promise and we'll steward it. But when we get uncomfortable, that's why we talk about getting up, be, un, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because if we don't have a, a breaking point of our comfort level, then we can continue to wait with the Lord. We can continue to wait with him. I'll close with this. Is that we see in, uh, in the Psalms, in David, 39 times in the Psalms, David references trusting in the Lord over and over and over again. And he will always do it when his enemies were about to kill him. It's always in that place that we have a choice to make. 39 times over and over again in, in David's Psalms, he talks about trusting in the Lord. He references it. And it's not about trusting in his circumstances. It was always about trusting in God's ability to come and rescue God's ability to show up in the moment. And over and over again, this is why God chose David, because he was a man after his heart. See, he was willing to put David in circumstances that were uncomfortable, because he knew that David, he saw that David would be able to do the heart business with the Lord of trust, where Saul wasn't able to do that. Saul didn't trust the Lord with his heart. He didn't trust the Lord with all of his heart. And we see David over and over again bringing up this topic of trust. And it says this in Psalm 37, Though he stumble, the one who trusts in the Lord, it says he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. That when we choose to trust in the Lord, we know that in that place is where we're going to find the presence of the Lord. And finally, the last thing is that trust beheads fear. Trust will behead fear in your life. See, if fear is the compass that's leading us, trust, they can't cohabitate. You can't trust in the Lord and be led by fear. So which one will you choose? Will you choose to let fear be what you're putting your your, your trust in, or will you put your trust in the Lord? You can't do both. One beheads the other. See, when we're in that place of trusting the Lord, even though circumstances aren't just right, even though we're looking for the breakthrough, what happens is this. We can actually begin to pray out of faith, not out of worry. One of the evidences that trust is active in my life is I'm not just praying out of worry. I mean, God talks about that. Jesus talks about that in in Matthew 6. He goes, listen, when you pray, go into a room, talk to your heavenly Father. He already knows everything that's going on, so you don't have to keep going on and on like the pagans do. He wants that intimate relationship and that trust with you. Just makes sense. And in that place, we lay down the worry and we walk out. If I'm, if I'm carrying the worry, I'm actually letting fear lead me. I'm letting fear partner with faith, and it's just chaotic. Trust beheads fear. So I want to do this. We had a word this morning about God just wanting to break off fear of our hearts. So why don't we do this? Why don't you guys stand? You've been sitting for a while. And just, I want you to put your hand on your heart. And right now, you know, wherever you're at, I have some really great news, is that Jesus wants to show himself strong. That he is so faithful to show up in our circumstances and our situations. He is so faithful to navigate our hearts. And right now, if you, if you, if, if you just want to displace fear Whatever that fear is, whatever that small thing is, whatever that large thing is, I want you right now just to imagine as your hand is on your heart, Jesus just putting his hand in your hand. And wherever the presence of the Lord is, there is fullness of joy. So Father, I thank you for breaking off fear right now. 
God, I thank you for breaking off anxiety right now. Lord, we say that the, the outcome is in your hand. Lord, we thank you and we partner our faith and combine it right now with trust. Lord, that you are the miracle worker. You are the way maker. You are the alpha and the omega. And Lord, we just hand over this area of fear, worry, anxiety, God. And we just choose in this moment to trust you in that place. Father, thank you that fire always falls on sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in, our, in my life. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. Thank you for just a fresh wind this morning of your presence and a fresh grace in the room, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. If you need healing in your body, can you just raise your hand in the air real high? Just one hand real, real high in the air. I feel like the Lord, I just feel like there's, there's just some freshness on trusting him right now for healing. So with your hands in the air right now, I want you to just receive from the Lord. Just right now, just receive your healing. It says that by his stripes that you are healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like the Lord is just highlighting issues of blood just right now. If that's you, just receive it. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. I think chronic back pain, I'm just, I just sensing chronic back pain right now. If that's you, just receive it. Thank you, Lord. And I saw uh, just a picture of inflammation. If you're, if you're just suffering from inflammation, it could be in your knees, it could be in your, in your, um, in your thyroid gland. Right now, just receive your healing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 